You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. All right, huddle up, huddle up. We're going to crank these engines up on one, on one. All right. Wait, Eddie. What is it? Drivers, start your engines. This is the finish line. I approached a great offensive lineman in the past. Larry Little, Dwight Stevenson, Jim Langer, all Hall of Famers, and Richmond Webb belongs to that same group. Here are your hosts, legendary Miami Dolphins left tackle Richmond Webb, Reason, and Mr. Ballgame. Good Nation, what's good? It's the full reason, and we are back here for another one. Welcome into the 50th episode of The Finish Line. I'm joined, as always, by my host, the legendary Richmond Webb, and, of course, the triple OG, Mr. Ballgame. You can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow Richmond Webb at Richmond Webb. Follow Mr. Ballgame at KCTSR. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason. All of us on Twitter again. We are doing this live on YouTube, but the majority of you will probably be listening to this streaming on Spotify, Apple, and all major podcasts and streaming outlets. But until then, Richmond ball game. It is. We are coming off another tough loss, but we are also coming off another performance where Tua gives the haters fuel with some of those interceptions. But he had a lot of good for the people who believe in the process and believe on building and developing him. He left a lot of good for you. We'll get into it deeper, but it still has not killed the Watson narrative because his team continues to not win, not making big stops on, um, you know, game-winning field goal drives, subsequent game-winning field goal drives. And it's just a tumultuous time to be a Dolphins fan. Um, Richmond ball game. uh, How are you boys doing tonight? Richmond, um, I mean, hey, you're a former player. You watch the meltdowns on Twitter regularly, so <laughs> um, you know how, how are you? How are you? How are you coping? Because I know you're a Dolphin fan too. How are you coping with all this? No question. Uh, ride with the Dolphins to the end. Um, good afternoon, gentlemen. Ball game. Reason I'm doing good. Um, Two tough losses back-to-back, like you said, last-minute field goals. And I think that's the thing that's tough. But um, I try to focus on the positives. And like you said, for, you know, Tua to come back uh, after being out three weeks with crack or broken ribs or whatever, and then to come in two weeks in a row, throw for over uh, 40 attempts a game, and then, you know, it doesn't look like he's rusted at all, but he's really played well down the the in, interception in, in in the red zone. That definitely hurt. But overall, you can see that we're making progress, but we still got to fix things. And I, I think I always go back to it until we get this offensive line fixed. We're going to struggle. Um, um, that's just that's just the way it is. Everything is one up front. I mean, the guys up front. That's not the glory positions. That's not the what a lot of people pay attention to. But um, it's one in the trenches, and it allows you to do things to get the ball to like Gasecki, Waddle, Fuller, and let those guys make the plays that you normally the exciting plays that you like to see. But we got to get this offensive line fixed and play consistently and. Once we get that fixed, we can have more of a balanced attack. Uh, we ran the ball pretty good against Atlanta, but consistently over the the first seven games of the season, we hadn't done that. So um, I don't know if we'll fix it this year, but that's definitely got to be fixed before we can – before I think, before we really get to see what we truly have, this and that. How, how you doing, Mr. Ballgame? I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm glad to be here, man. Ball game suave tonight. Suave. This is 
This is what I put. You know, this the is burgundy day, drip. Truth of the matter is, man, um, from my viewpoint, right, the kid had two bad throws. I really don't give a crap about that because at the end of the game, I mean, at the end of the game, he put the defense back in the position to win the game. Went down, scored, put us back ahead. We just didn't hold on to it. I don't put that on him. Didn't like the throws, obviously. But from the defensive side, of, from the defensive perspective, and the way I see it, he did everything he was supposed to do in that game. And I've seen enough to be okay with feeling like he can be our guy going forward. Um, I'm I'm so sick of all of the other stuff. Sick of the people out there that don't really understand football. Talk a good game like they understand what was going on, but always talking about why we ain't going deep and all this other type of stuff without even realizing, like Richmond said, your ability to throw the ball deep 40, 50 yards down the field, that requires time. You know what I'm saying? And unless one of these guys, I haven't seen not one receiver on our team run one point, you know what I'm saying, 1.7, 2.0. Uh, seconds in a 40-yard dash. So yeah. it takes time for them to get down the field, and it also takes time provided by the offensive line to block, and it's something that this kid hasn't had. So what we, until they get better up front, this is what we have to do, which is rely on Tua to make really good decisions and matriculate the ball down the field. Once the line solidifies itself, then you can see deep ball passes and things of that nature. It doesn't happen the other way around. So for those for those of you out there in the, in, in the world that want deep balls, until this line solidifies, we probably won't see any of that. That's how football works. But you know, I here's no idea. Let's get into let's let's get into the rest. Bro, of I just, saw someone try to pitch the narrative that two. Remember that throw to that two made to Grant last year that Grant dropped um, was on the KC game or whatever it was. Do you remember that throw? Someone tried to say two under threw it, and I was like, oh, now we're just getting to like desperate levels of this guy can't throw deep. It's it's brutal. Um. All right, so anyways, we talk about the, that Atlanta game. Obviously, too, I had the two bad interceptions, but he also had that those really two good touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the opening touchdown drive, um, you know, another pretty great game from Mike Kosicki, who a guy who I said, oh, you know, unless he becomes a better blocker, I don't know, you know, how he will get snaps, though I did say, Last year, he got so many targets because of so many injuries. And once again, without Devontae Parker, Will Fuller playing, Preston Williams being another guy in and out of the lineup, constantly battling injuries. You've now, again, seen a lot of you know chances and opportunities go his way. And he's been phenomenal when he's got the chance. And clearly, the two of them are building a chemistry, which is good to see. Jalen Waddell obviously playing at a higher level since two has come back than Brissett was. I mean, guys, we talk about the offensive line again against Atlanta. They had um, another low pressure outputting. I believe they only allowed... 12 or 13 pressures i think it was 12 actually and it was one of their lowest it was like their second lowest of the season um and you know you you go back Tua right now is elevating that offensive line i mean look at how he's been evading sacks over the last two weeks how he's evading pressure using his legs a lot now more now showing that wiggle that colin coward tried to convince us all he didn't have you're seeing tangible growth into a tongue of Aloha. I mean, look at this. Let's put it this way. If you guys remember, we did the, we did the show last week, and I, I, I rifled off those rankings how Atlanta was against the pass last week. Remember? I said they were 12th against the pass last week, if you remember correctly, right, Atlanta? Right. Since they faced Tua tongue of Aloha, they have dropped to 20th in the NFL. If you look at us at third down right now heading into this week, Guys, do you remember how bad we were on third down under Jacoby under Jacoby Brissett? Right now, to his return, tell me why we're 14th in the NFL on third down. You're you seeing tangible see. growth. Like people want to call him a dink and dunker. So then why is it fourth and two against the Jaguars? And he's completing a 15 plus pass to to, to Holland for a big completion. You know what I mean? Like he has no, you can tell right now compared to where he was last year, even though we've only watched him in three games, he's clearly under the mandate of pushing the ball down the field field. when it's there, when it's there, push the ball. The thing is we want, we broke down the film ball game. Now we've had games where we said to have missed this read to have missed that read to have thrown here. 
me, you, and Martin only had about maybe twice where we pointed out, oh, he should have made this throw this week. And yep. he threw the ball 40 times. It was, and even in those instances, though, bro, it was still preference to what we thought maybe he should have taken yeah, those yeah, shots yeah. at. You know? Some of them are with the whole shots, right, right. etc. Right? right. So, anyways, you go back to the offensive line, Richmond. Um, you talked about how the offensive line needs to get better. From what you've seen right now, and um, you saw the offensive line under Jacoby Brissett. You saw, am I, am I, you know, is what I'm saying factual to what your eyes are telling you that the offensive line is better under Tua Tungvaloa right now? And on top of that, um, you know, what have you thought of Austin Jackson at guard? Because I've thought he's been a disaster once again. He still leads the NFL in pressures allowed. He allowed an, another, another handful again this, this week. Well, I, I'll say this. I, I don't think they're better. I think he's just done a better job of going through his progressions quicker, getting the ball out, moving, and making quick decisions. So there still has been pressure. The pocket still collapses at times. He's He's been able to escape. Um, he did a good job on Sunday, but it's it's got to be better. It's got to be better than what we're seeing, and you know that's the that's the thing that I watch. I concentrate on, and you know, I understand after last year we won game from the playoffs, and it's kind of been a disaster this year. But in order to be a better playoff, be a playoff team or, or considered a contender, however you want to put it, we got to have better play on our offensive line across the board, and. Uh, we've played musical chairs, this and that. Um, uh, I think Austin Jackson's biggest problem is it seems like he struggles with um, being able to set that anchor with a bull rush in the, in the way that the NFL is. It doesn't matter who you are. If they find out you have problems with it, they're not going to bull rush every play, but they're going to mix it up and you're going to continue to get it until you show you can stop that and until he shows he can stop it or whatever. And I've seen even Eichenberg at times get driven back. You, you got to be able to set that anchor more consistently. I'm not going to say you're not going to ever get bull rush, but it can't be that continual. Okay, so you're on the offensive line coach of the, of the Miami Dolphins right now. You want to keep investing in those two guys. What? How are you telling them to get better? Well, explain to the, I want you to explain to the people how you tell them. I know you've we've talked about the weight room and everything like that privately, but explain to everyone how you'd be telling them to get to get better and stronger with their anchor. Uh, one thing um, I think um, I, I'll give you an example. I just use myself. Um, when I came in the league, I was like 298. And then by the time she was last year, I was around 307. And then Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> got there and when Jimmy got there he wanted to run the football more so he figured he wanted me to get bigger so I went from 305 to 312 and then I think the next year they wanted me to get to 318 I wasn't having issues with that I guess he just liked bigger linemen so I did it but it was the way he did it to where I could adjust to carrying the extra weight and still be effective but um, I don't know how much Austin Jackson or I can make Maybe bulking up, but you definitely got to get stronger. But you just got to be able to just set your anchor, you know, when a guy bull rush. And a lot of that could be tech, technique or technical issues. Getting your hands inside, just that whoever gets their hands inside is going to have more control. So it could be just a simple thing as hand placement and staying lower than the defender. That Which could we know inside. Austin Jackson is a disaster with his hands and his footwork is a disaster too. So. You know, I think Eichenberg is more of a a length issue. I don't actually think it's a technique issue. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's slow out of his kick step. These guys are athletic and they're speedy, and he can't use his length to hold them off till he can get in front of them. They can just get around it because his arms aren't long enough. That's what I think. If he had, like, 34-inch arms, I don't think we'd be worrying about Liam Eichenberg really right now. It seems like he's been playing better at left tackle than Jackson. Oh, was. for sure. But, but um, Jackson, yeah, Jackson. I'm not saying cut the guy. I'm not saying trade the guy. But if we're gonna hold these people to all these standards, you want someone to bench and start labeling a bust. <laughs> I mean, it's take your pick between Austin Jackson and Noah Benogany. 
Don't come yeah. for the quarterback right now. Let's be honest right now, okay? At least Noah can say I don't have the reps. Austin Jackson has the reps. You know what I mean? And, and, and let me say this about Austin Jackson also. I, I think even when the Dolphins drafted him, they talked about his athletic ability. This kid was 20 years old. So I think they knew it was possibility that he would be a project because being that young, normally – you're 21 or whatever like that. So maybe he should have stayed another year at USC to give yourself a chance to develop. I don't know. But ball game knows I hate projects in the first round. Yeah. They need to come out ready to play. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. The microscope, the microscope is on your first round picks. And, and, and Noah's a project too. And only and, because and that, there's so much focus on the first round that you done and forced to hit immediately yeah. right away you know and a lot of these kids i've been saying this too they're really not getting a whole lot of coaching and there's not a whole lot of coaching going on in college if you look at what look just one perfect example how how you high one minute and now you at the bottom of the totem pole is clemson Dabo was able to get some really good quarterbacks in there to put in charge of his system and now at this point those two guys watson and then, and now, um, who relied Lawrence. more on natural ability yeah, and progression exactly. than coaching development. But what yeah. did you see? What did you see from Lawrence every year after that freshman year? Regression. Regression. Exactly. That's my whole thing. So he could have got better every year, and he did. Yeah. And I don't just think I just don't think a lot of coaching. Is and look at Herbert. Even in college, either. we we had a lot of issues with Herbert coming out in his coaching and the scheme he was in. Then he goes under Pep Hamilton. Who's a That's legit different. quarterback whisperer, and now he's under Joe Lombardi, who was the quarterback coach from 2016 to 2020 in New Orleans with Drew Brees. So a guy who's worked with another successful quarterback. You see the difference in coaching. You know what I mean? And that's why I told you all before, and I'll say publicly, I look at the circumstances around Tua. He is a rose blossoming through the concrete. I mean, you look at his numbers over the first 14 games, gentlemen. And if I were to tell you, listen, if I were to tell you, because remember, guys, when Tua was winning and had a winning record, wins wasn't a quarterback stat. But now that we've lost two in a row, losses have suddenly become a quarterback stat. But I digress. So he's played in 14 games, okay? He started 13, but he played the majority of 12. And I say majority because he was pulled in two of them. If I told you when we drafted him through 14 games, but he but those circumstances, he played in 12, started 13, um, he would have 2,649 yards, 18 touchdowns, and nine interceptions as a passer. So two to one. Would that be something where you would scoff at? No. Two to one ratio in touchdowns and interceptions is always acceptable in my eyes because you can't control every aspect of every every pass that's going to be thrown downfield. Some get tipped. Receivers don't run the correct routes. We see where we're at, ballgame, because Watson yeah. – the carrot, the Watson carrot dangling over. Oh, not to mention he's already he's also added four rushing touchdowns, so he's actually accounted for twenty two touchdowns. Um, but okay, so you add in all that, and now because the Watson carrot is dangling over, apparently we've become the authority in quarterback play after thirteen games as a fan base with some people in the media and some people on platforms who we know either don't do the homework in terms of know how to watch the game or try to present themselves as knowing how to watch the game where you can just tweet back and forth them and you know they don't know how to watch the game. So you look at all this stuff and, you know, would we really be having an issue? Oh, yeah, they're on Twitter. Ridiculous. It's unbelievable. <laughs> if, you had, if, you, if, you, if you had an issue... It, would we really have an issue with Tua Tungvaloa and what he's done up until that point, up until this point statistically, and what we've seen on the field in terms of tangible progression week by week? Uh, if Watson wasn't involved, like if you had no choice that Tua was the guy they were riding here to, other than the losses, would people really be having this big of an issue with Tua Tungvaloa right now? No, but the problem is that I still think that people have they fall in love with um, 
the stats. And in this in this game, like you said, it's about the wins, right? So four wins last year and twelve losses. You threw for five thousand yards, but what did that really garner you? What did that really get them? Right? Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if a guy comes out and throws for five thousand yards if we're still losing games. You know what I mean? That that don't that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. I'd rather because I'm still stuck in this mindset of how do we expect this young group to be ready to endure all of this foolishness that's going on around it and then go out there and perform at a higher level when it's clear that there's a lot of things still missing. Like I'm I'm done fooling myself. Right? I can see it. I see it every Sunday. There are huge holes on this team that need to be filled and going and get another quarterback a guy with all this stuff still hanging out there in the wind over him is not going to fix it we are devoid of some really serious coaching and a lot of leadership issues like thereof on this team and i don't care now who they go get it's not fixing it not gonna happen i'd rather i said it all along i'd rather stick with the kid i'd rather stick with the kid Work this process through and let him grow this line and get him some other targets as well, guys that can stay healthy and then continue to build this team. Because at the end of the day, going and getting somebody else's um, quarterback to bring in and he might not even play is is crazy to me. And that's 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 stupid business in my in my opinion. So, but I can't do that. I can't I can't get behind that. I know he's an I know he's an amazing talent, but at this point, I'd rather stay. I'd rather steer clear of any of that. I don't have those type of issues and nothing of negativity surrounding Tua Tagovailoa. And he's growing on guys. You got guys out here literally in social media now tweeting for him. They're talking up for him, so they're liking him too. It'd be different if nobody was coming to say anything positive about the kid, but that's not the case. So. I, I'm not with it, Richmond. Um, you know, you saw. I want I want people to hear you because we're on a platform right now where we actually, you know, we're gonna have a reach to not just you know on streaming platforms but on YouTube tonight too. You played with the best quarterback that's ever laced up for the Dolphins, Dan Marino. Just give everyone your fair, objective assessment. Up to a tongue Valoa over over the course of his career so far, um, you know, is he a guy that's just making rookie mistakes and he's going through growing pains at times? You know, do you see the resiliency and that killer instinct in the fourth quarter when his back's up against the wall? Like, what what do you see when you look at two over his first fourteen games? Give everyone an objective opinion. Yeah, um, if they've listened to the podcast or anything I've said. Even before we drafted him, uh, I've always said that I felt that he was the best quarterback in the draft. If he wouldn't have hurt his hip, he would have been the first. He would have been the first quarterback taken. And uh, Joe Burrow has done well. Uh, Herbert has done well out in in Los Angeles with the Chargers. They're all great players, but um, I, I think one of the things that a lot of people understand is. You work hard to get back from a major injury, but even once you get back out on the field, those fast switch muscles and all that, it's got to get used to reacting to you moving, setting your feet, planting, throwing, this and that, and it takes a while. But if you look at Tua from last year compared to how he really worked in the offseason to get ready and how he was throwing the ball in, in training camp and this and that, He's got the zip on the ball. I mean, he's very to me. He's a very accurate quarterback when he throws, and he does fit it in some tight windows. Sometimes, you're like man, I can't believe he threw it. And he's gonna make some of those mistakes sometimes, and, and you start to learn to realize, okay, like the the in, in, interception in the red zone where he tried to fit it in there. A lot of times, you gotta say, okay, either take the sack or throw the ball away. Let's at least get three points out of this. But that comes from you know, your decision-making maturing as you continue to play. But um, I still like the kid, this and that. But like I said, the narrative has always been when you win, it's a quarterback's win, uh, but it's a team sport. And um, until people really look at it that way, 
it's not one person that wins the game. It's definitely not one person most of the time that loses the game. So, um, like you said, we've got some issues on this team um, that needs to be fixed, and until they are fixed, and I believe I said this even back during training camp before they put the pads on, I said the thing I want to see is how's the offensive line, how it's going to play, because I know important offensive-defensive line play as far as that takes you, whether you're going to be a really good team or a really bad team. I know people mm. like the, rec- the receivers and the court. I, I like them. I love them, too, because it's good when you get the ball out there and make a guy miss and, and you know, you go for 40, 50 yards. It's exciting. I, I love that part of the game, too, but you got to pay attention to the hey Guys, my boy, Suel, my boy Panay Suel, my boy Panay is out here scrapping with Aaron Donald. Ready to throw down with I don't know if you saw that, Richmond, but Panay Suel was ready to scrap with Aaron Donald when they played last week. He was like standing up to and he actually looked like bigger than Aaron Donald, too. And he was like he was he was like like, let's go right now. Let's let's throw down. I'll show you how we do it in Samoa in the some Samoan Islands, bro. We gotta walk over to that kid talking to him. Hey, all right, all right. I, I know you won't. Hey, I bro, know did you see? Did you but, see Aaron Donald's grade against Penesuel? Aaron Donald had like a his lowest grade of the season and one of the lowest grades of his career against Penesuel this last weekend. He had like a twenty nine point four grade or something like that. Terrible. He got chewed up by Penay. Penay been coming on, but so. Guys, do you know, okay, what have I always said, right? I've always said that I feel like if we had Josh Allen, Dolphin fans would have run Josh Allen out of here after year two, right? Like, we wouldn't have been able to see Josh Allen in year three, right? Yeah, I've always I've always said, yeah, I well, I, yeah, I've said after, I said they would have run him out either at the start of year two or definitely by the end of year two. And, you know, here's what's crazy. After the first 14 games, when I was, let this sit in with you, and we all know the leap. Josh Allen took in year three, and we know where they're at in year four, okay? Josh Allen, after 14 games, had a passer rating of 70.8. He threw for 2,581 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions, all right? Tua, passer rating of 89.4. Threw for, he's thrown for 2,649 uh, yards, eight touchdowns, and nine interceptions in 14 games. So he's clearly outperforming a guy right now who – Everyone's he's the big bad beast in the AFC East that everyone's afraid of right now. It's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and Tua is clearly outperforming him vastly in some categories over his first, you know, his first uh 14 games here. So, you know, people just need to be patient and let the, I've always said maybe it's because I'm old school and yet I'm 36 and I can't believe I'm saying this. Maybe it's because I'm old school, but I'm always of the belief of three years. Yeah. And if you go by the new NFL, year one would have been 16 games and then seven, and then another 17 and another 17. So that's 50 games, and we're only 14 games into that right now. So I, I think people just need to relax with the Tua stuff. My you, thing is you know always what? – What are you going to say, Richmond? Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was going to build on um, ball game's point. And, uh, you know, like you, said, like you said, I don't care about stats, but you know what I was going to tell you? You probably should have deal with that question. You should have said quarterback A, quarterback B. I bet if you to put a poll out on Twitter, listed the stats, and said quarterback A did this, quarterback mm-hmm. B did this, they wouldn't have been able to tell, but they would have they would have chose the quarterback with the best stats yep. and said that's who we should have as our quarterback. And then you could have went back and hey, said, "Well, now I, I can't you, do I can't do it now." Can't do it now. <laughs> I'm just, I guess my point is. It just shows you how much people pay attention to the stats rather than winning or losing. You know what I'm saying? People get caught up in stats and say, like Bob Game saying, oh, he threw for 5,000 yards, but if you won three games, what does that matter? Well, it's like, okay, this is how face value are people, right? People think you can just take one person from one situation, put them in another situation, and they expect the exact same result. That's why I tell people Justin Herbert would not have won the rookie of the year here. I and people are like, why? I said, okay, coaching aside, and 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 everything aside, where how are we were as an offense with injuries and everything? Take that aside. But they did not turn till two until game seven, right? So just by that, Herbert would have missed the first six games. He would not have been able to put up the numbers he put up, and therefore he would not have beat out Justin Jefferson for rookie of the year. So right off the bat, he wouldn't have done what he did in LA. But 
People don't want to have those kind of conversations because there's too much logic, sense, and funny enough reason involved in those conversations. Oh, it's, it's um, easier because it's easier for people to run to situations where they think they can find comfort and um, just say, hindsight, well, hindsight's, hindsight's a beautiful song. thing, ball game. Yeah, all because exactly. you know what I said to people that want want to want want like are drooling over Herbert and hating on Tua, and people who I know for a fact, if they would have been the Chris Greer on draft night. They would have taken to a tongue of Aloha. They would not have taken Justin Herbert. And they're lying to you and they're only using hindsight if they tell you different. They all hindsight's a beautiful thing because it allows these people just to live in that moment. But, anyways, back to this game, boys. Okay, so we had the two bad interceptions, but for the second week in a row, as a whole, this offense put up over 400 yards. And I told y'all, everyone's trying to say, oh, well. The Falcons are one of the worst secondary. Well, they were the 12th best secondary against the pass heading into the game. They are now the 20th best secondary against the pass after one meeting with Tua Tungvaloa. And so, I mean, they weren't that bad against the pass as people trying to make them out to believe. And, you know, people are trying to paint narratives, ball game, and situations me and you were in that Tua can't throw towards the sidelines. I thought I saw a lot of big boy throws <laughs> towards the sidelines on That's, Sunday, but, hey, what the hell do I know? And so, especially when the game mattered and it was on the line. But, so, okay, you, you guys have this. It's a topsy-turvy game. If you actually do it, he threw the ball 40 times, okay? He had two bad interceptions. By math, that's 5% of his throws. So 95% of his throws. So I think – so the rest of his game, I think he was fantastic. I'm going to say it. I think he was fantastic. I think he took what he, what the defense was giving him. I mean, me and ball game objectively broke down all of his dropbacks. You know, there were things he could have done different, but for the most part, I think he played a really good game. He and he played a really smart game and efficient game, and he made that defense pay when they gave him the chance. Like that throw in the back of the end zone to Matt Collins for that game leading touchdown, that was a big boy Money. throw. That was a big boy throw. And how often do you see a receiver in the back of the end zone waving the quarterback down and then never see it, let alone someone on a bootleg throwing on the run? So big boy throw. Um, he gives the game back to them. He digs himself out of the proverbial hole people were talking about because of the two bad interceptions at critical moments after the X interception when the defense gave us good field position both times yep. and we were in range to score. And then, guys, talk about Austin Jackson. He was the man who got beat on the field goal block. They targeted Austin Jackson. If you go back and watch that play, that's who they beat on the field goal block was Austin Jackson. They blew him up. That, so Austin Jackson cost us three points as well. So if you get three points on any one of those drives, we win this football game. Um, you see in the last, uh, you know, people want to know who's calling plays for the offense. Well, I want to know who's calling plays for the defense because if Boyer's calling zone on third and 10 and leaving Kyle Pitts middle over the open over the middle of the field, maybe Flores needs to take that, that over because it, it ain't working right now. So a lot of mistakes you had again, you know, again, the defense, it, the ball was put in their hand to make a stop when it mattered. Yes, they made plays earlier in the game, but hey, at when the end, the field goal happened. We lost. It was a tough game. We actually ran the football very efficiently, very well. This game, Tua was good on the ground. He left some ankles out there on the field. Gaskin was pretty good. Brown is now out. McCordy is out. Eric Rowe continues to look like he's regressing. Um you know, they just made key plays, especially on that last drive. You saw Brian Flores losing his mind. Guys, um, you know, Jason Lackenfora, before that game happened, had a report coming out that there's a negative vibe in the locker room right now, and it's not a good situation in Miami. I got to ask you both. I'll start with you, Richmond, because you've been in the locker room like that. Do you think and, – and, you know, that report also cited – Players are not happy with how Tua Tagovailoa has been treated in terms of this carousel and how this has gone to the public. And also, it cited a Tagovailoa family source who said they believe that Tua hasn't been put in a position to succeed. Do you think Brian Flores has lost this locker room or a portion of it right now? Well, anytime you're losing, um, you're going to normally have dissentment and. That's why every week I've been hoping they could get a win. It, you just feel better after a win. After you start losing game after game after game, like you said, you start seeing players regress, isn't it? Because 
they stop believing in the process. So the best thing probably would be to try to get a win. I don't like the way that this situation has been handled with Tua. I, I do like to hear that his uh, teammates are not happy with him. So that that's a guy that, as a teammate, you respect this and that because in any NFL organization, whatever, you're going to be guys you, you respect this and that, and you're going to disagree with some of the decisions that management makes or whatever. But to come out and hear that guys are not happy with the way he's being treated, and you could tell during um, training camp that he was going, he was going up to guys, you know, working with the receivers, this and that, and taking on a leadership role. So when guys respect you, this and that, they're gonna want to go to bat for you, this and that. But until we can kind of get out of this funk and pull a win or two or something up, it, it, it's it's gonna be bad. It's, it just is. The best thing this kid did for himself, in my opinion, is to go out there knowing that the reports and the information out there that he was out there hurt and go out there and perform the way he performed. If nothing else galvanizes, I mean, um, rallies your um, teammates mm-hmm. to your cause, it's toughness and the willing, your uh, player's willingness to go out there and lay it on the line for his teammates. And these last two weeks for him have done more for him in terms of him winning over the guys in the locker room that had questions about him or really just didn't care no matter one way or the other than anything. And the only way Flores can save this whole situation is by really and truthfully treating this kid the way he's supposed to treat him because you're going to continue to lose players. Yes, they get paid to do a job, but at the end of the day, loyalty is still paramount in the locker room, right? And if you, you crap on you crap on a kid who has done everything that he could possibly do to try to help you become better you can't it's, well, it's really you know hard, what the thing really is ball game? i want i want to ask you this ball game and i'll open it up with you so what's crazy to me is you actually look at this you know what's crazy boys they're out on Tua. some of these people and i think flores is one of them and he's the one giving you one of the highest efforts every sunday when he's when he's available okay the irony is crazy to me but anyways and he's trying to save your job cuz he's trying to get w's on the board all right so let me ask you this. Let me let me ask you this ball game, and then I want to hear your thoughts on this, Richmond. With everything intensifying again with Watson this week, and now the owners' meetings happening and all these discussions happening now, it seems to be going back to what I reported back in the summer, if you guys remember, ball games on the show where Ross will not sign off. And now we're hearing, yeah, they agreed on compensation, but they won't sign off because of the legalities. Who do you think that is? That's Stephen Ross, Steven right? Ross, yeah. So it kind of goes back to that. And then you had the Peter King report that he heard Stephen Ross is not pushing, you know, Deshaun Watson on Greer. It's, you know, he implied it's more Greer and Flores right now. So you look at how this whole situation is. You look at how two has played through the noise. He's played through self-conflicted adversity on the field if it's bad interceptions or mistakes he's made and still rebounded in-game and grown and learned from his mistakes. Is this situation beyond repair with Tua and this current regime? And is it Watson or Bust because you basically sent the message, you're not our guy. It's been received loud and clear by Tua and Steinberg. And even still... If Ross were to fire this regime because they can't get the Watson thing done, if you hire a new GM and he wants to bring in his new coach, Tua, he might get an extra year because the draft class isn't considered very high, even though there's guys I like in the quarterback class this year. But he might get another pass, and they might see what they have in him for a year, but he might be dead man walking. So it might be a situation of he's damned if he do, damned if he don't because of how this regime has handled him. Is this situation irreparable, and they must make the trade for Deshaun Watson now because you're past the point of no return ballgame? Well, I don't I, – I wouldn't ever say – well – some situations are in that form of fact, but we're dealing with the, we're dealing with an individual one and two attack of our that I don't think based on how faith driven he is and how much of a stand up person he is on and off the field, personal life, professional life that holding grudges for him. I think he understands that that doesn't help him improve as a person and it actually sets him back. They can learn a lot from him. So I think 
if for something, you know, for offense, I don't see this. I, first of all, let me say, I don't believe this trade is going to happen because just like you said, it's bad business deal. And Ross, they might have pulled the trigger had there not been all this stuff over Deshaun Watson. And nobody really at that point would question it, right? You just kind of just like, well, damn, you know, it sucks for the kid. But, okay, Watson's a better, you know, he's a, he's a more polished product to help us along with this process. But that's not the case. So with all this stuff, what they need to do is continue the course, I think, and be open and honest the way Tuas has said that they have been with him and just support him. Finally, really, truthfully, support the ball him. game. Okay, let's think about this. You and Richmond know the quote-unquote Flores bomb that I know, okay? You guys know what that deal is, all right? I've told you all that. You know where it came from. You know the whole situation and the whole scope of this. We won't get into that, obviously, right. but you know all of that, okay? You guys are both fathers. I'm a father. How the hell do you think? And we all know, I've told you guys privately and I've reported publicly, I've been told Galu Tungvaloa was that source after the Combine interview with Flores where Safedine got a Tungvaloa family source said the Dolphins were cold. They came away feeling like they didn't want to uh, and apparently it was all Flores and apparently it was Galu who made the call. To, he made two calls, Safedine and Stephen Ross to basically say what the hell just went on there. But we know how involved Gallo is in his career. Right. I'm going to tell this guy, if that's my kid, I'm going to say, yo, play the four years. If they want to play the option, cool. I'm not resigning with them. Like, we might watch this guy blossom, and the damage might be done with this regime so badly that it might all be for naught, even if you do get the right staff in here because Ross allowed this to happen. Like, how do you view this, Richmond? Is this situation getting to the point or is it at the point of beyond repair you think with two because you're a former player how would you feel if they had you but they were publicly courting another player at your same position for nine months or better yet and i know he's dan marino but how the hell would dan marino have reacted to this you know what i mean yeah. like that's not a good situation um I, I commend the young man for the way he's handled it and i, I think it's his strong core of people he have around him. And I think he trusts what his father says, but when you can't trust what somebody tells you, or you question that they're not being upfront, honest and truthful with you, you might know how to deal with it just to get through the situation. But you'll say, you know, I, I can't trust what they say because they told me this and it keeps coming up. And if it continues to come up like this, even though might've said, well, no reason. No, I'm not trying to do that. But then it continues to come up. You're going to be like, man, where there's smoke, there's fire. Something's got to be being said. Some, somebody's not being honest with me. Might not be you, coach, but this keeps coming from somewhere. Because if it wasn't coming from somewhere, why does it keep coming why up? Why keep coming up? So, yeah. Like, Anthony, this see. Richmond, how he says Flores is being transparent with them on your basis of player coach relationships at that level. How transparent do you think he's really being? Well, put it like this. You got to understand, Tua to me seems like he's never going to be a guy to try to cause more confusion. He's going right. to say the right things in the media. Even if he believes something else, he's going to say what he's supposed to say, and he's not going to burn no bridges, which I commend the young man for that. But I can see at a point to where he said, I'm going to just do what i got to do. I'm going to ball out. And if I have to go somewhere else to finish my career, do this, I'm good with it. And I think his family is good with it. But like you said, it's enough just preparing for a game every week. But to keep this just continue hanging over your head, boom, boom, boom. Every, you know, it, it dies out for a little bit. And it's like somebody adds a little bit more wood on the fire and it starts going again. Like, man, I ain't got time for that. I just want to focus on becoming the best possible player I can be, be competitive. Help my team win. It's not, he, he, he seems like a true – he doesn't seem like an individual that just cares about his stats and what's best for him. He seems like a true team player, and wherever he goes, if even if – I hope he stays here, and I hope they can repair it. But, I mean, he says everything right in the media, but I think he, I don't think he trusts him. If you ask me, I wouldn't if it was me. If it kept coming up, I wouldn't. I was – I'd probably say the same thing he's saying. Everything right in the media, 
been in the back of my head. It's like, man, you can't trust him. Yeah, because yeah, now they're digging their own grave right now. Well, here's the kicker, though, right? The media's the media. Hold on, I'll let you go, Bongham. The media started turning on them with a, a little bit when Brissett was out there. They're like, oh, two is not the problem. Now they're seeing how this is being handled, and they're being like. Oh, Tua wasn't the problem, but now look at how you're handling Tua. Like it's actually kind; they're getting kind of blowback from from how this is gone in in the media. Now it's kind of falling in their lap. When all summer it was Tua, Tua, Tua. Now it's more everyone's questioning Flores and Greer. Go ahead, Bogey. Oh, that's a fair. I mean, it's fair now that, that people is actually out and about, and the kid has given you no reason to put to put him in this type of situation. But I think this leads him or puts him. Once this trade doesn't go through and he is the guy that we're going to go with going forward, he's going to get better every game. It puts him in a power position, which I'm okay with because I think all along that like there's a divine reason why this kid is in the NFL and he's where he is. Like Adversity of this nature can only be really truthfully handled by someone that's huge in faith, right? And when it comes time, for him to decide whether he's going to stay a dolphin or not, he got all the cards, right? And all along, they had all this power to dictate in the terms to him. But at some point, the good do become powerful. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the lesser or those that are, you know, saying being scrutinized and put down and all those types of things, it flips. The Bible talks about it, and I don't want to get too biblical, but there, you know, it comes a time where every, the roles change and the power positions change, and I wish that for him. I hope that he comes to a position where he gets to dictate the terms to them. And that's their what jobs I said. Are, I their actually, jobs are dependent upon him deciding if he wants to work with them, not the other way around. That's what what I, I think I said that to you privately because I said it to other people too. I, I said, I hope this kid balls out so he gets the cachet in Stephen Ross's office, yeah. not Greer and, and, and Flores. And now it's looking like especially because I'm at the belief that it's harder to find a franchise quarterback than it is to find a head coach. Uh, a head coach, yeah. Yep. Well, you know? think about it, right? There's a reason why. There's a, there's a real big reason why they pay the players what they pay the players and what they pay the coaches. It's not even remotely yeah. close and the same. Yeah. So – yeah, the players are the players are the show, and when it's all said and done, coaches do definitely have their part to play in all of it. But at the end of the day, if you got the coach, can't go out and do what the player does. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. So this weekend we're going in and facing the big bad wolf, the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins are six and zero all time on Halloween, so that's always good. So we were, we, we you know, we we're always. Hey, we, we're always we're always given that trick, and then it's nothing but a treat for Dolphin fans, usually on um, Halloween. But okay, so we're going against a team right now that they are top ten in yards per game, passing yards, rushing yards as an offense. They're top five in their top three actually in points per game and third down percentage as an offense. As a defense, they're first in yards per game allowed. They're first in passing yards allowed. I mean, they're first in points per game allowed. The defense is, uh, you know, you look at their defense and where they're at and where our defense is at, and you would think heading into the offseason that this would be flipped. Um, you know, th- th- a lot of people are joking around that the Buffalo Bills are getting into the buy part of their schedule right now because they're sitting at four and two. And if you take a look at the schedule over the next couple weeks, starting with the Halloween matchup with the Miami Dolphins, it's just getting easier and easier for them because they actually um, they have the Dolphins. Then um, after us, um, I know they have a uh, they have a bye week um, locked in there too. Um, I think they got, yeah, so next week they got the Jaguars. Then they got the Jets the week after. Um, and then they have the Colts. And they're coming off of a bye week right now. So they have a pretty easy schedule coming up over the next four weeks. So this could potentially be a trap game. But I'm still protecting the Bills to win 37-31. I think two is going to put up a big fight, a good enough fight. I still think we come up short. I will laugh my face off if Tua goes 
into Orchard Park Buffalo and beats the Buffalo Bills because I want to hear what the narrative is going to be then. But um, let's start with you, Richmond. What do you? How do you see this panning out? Will, uh, pardon my language, will Brian Flores continue to be McDermott's B I T C H, <laughs> and will Josh Allen continue to? dominate this franchise on Sunday. What do you what do you think goes down this Sunday? <clears throat> well Josh Allen is playing some real good football right now and they lost a very tough game against Tennessee the other night when um, they went for the you know the the touchdown rather than kicking a field goal and going to overtime. So they're playing good good football right now. I think Tennessee is one of the top teams. So um I would love for the Dolphins to go up there and be able to get a win, um, but it's going to take an effort, not just from Tua, but, you know, we got to have the receiver step up, have a decent running game, and the defense has got to play, you know, they got to play balls out, you know, give us some turnovers, some things to kind of slow that offense down, but um, it's, it's not going to be easy. Um, I think uh, McDermott has his team focused. I think they they don't look at it as easy games. I think they said these are winnable games and they're going to take them one at a time. And long as they just focus on the Dolphins and then Jacksonville and then the Colts, when you start sometimes trying to look too far ahead, that's an easy trap game. But I think he's going to have his team focused. They realized where they were last year, you know, a game or two back, and they seem like they picked up where they left off. So um, – I'm, I'm I'm pulling for Tua to go up there. Well, not just Tua. Let me change the narrative. The Dolphins to go up there and win that win that game. So I'm gonna use your same numbers, but I'm gonna just flip it. I'm gonna say Dolphins 37, uh, Bills 31 for the upset. Wow. Yeah. Let's follow that up, ball game. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I, I picked us. I picked us to lose the first matchup with them, and figure that we'd have some things dialed in and go back up there and upset them in the second one. So I still really feel like they're a beatable team. I mean, they're not as formidable now watching the games that they lost as um, they were. I thought they were better at this time last year than they are um, this year. So they're beatable. We just had to play a perfect game. And um, if nothing else, as long as we can get to keep two on the field and keep them upright, he gives us a chance. So I'm optimistic that we can beat them. Um, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just jump out there on a limb and I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna stick with the 31 thing, but I'm gonna say 31, I'm gonna say 35 31. Dolphins, yeah, wow, you guys cornering me here is the only one picking the bills to win. We're tricking, um, we're gonna trick, yeah. we're gonna trick on uh. Bro, yeah, time to trick. It ain't tricking cool. if you got it. That's what the song said. Man. <laughs> Don't make me steal it, bro. Don't make me steal the easy. <laughs> this guy over here. Um. Uh. All right, so um, guys, we're not gonna talk until next week. Obviously, I'll be down in ball games area. Next week, um, but let me. I want to. I want. I want to. I want to hear your thoughts before we get out of here. Gut feelings. It don't happen. Does it happen on Tuesday? Nope. I think Stephen Ross is savvy enough and um, smart enough to know that in business there's some risk worth taking, but there's also some that you just have to walk away from the table on because without a guarantee that what you're going to be spending all of this capital to get can actually be available for you. That's not a good business move. So this is my theory ball game. And I want to, I'm going to get Richmond's thoughts here in a sec. I think he doesn't trust Greer and Flores who have been pushing for this since the off season. Okay. Now he sees everything falling apart. He's saying, okay, I can go get my franchise guy because clearly you guys aren't going to develop him. I think he did his own research with his lawyers and his investigators. He didn't get the answers he wanted in terms of the criminal and the civil cases. 
Uh-huh. I think he talked to Goodell. He did not get the answers he wanted in terms of where the NFL sits. I think he may have actually came away with more answers than questions. I think he's trying to dot his T's and cross his eyes before they even he was even willing to sign off on it again. And the to. whole and the whole thing is too. I think it, what's playing in the factor is if I move on from Greer and Flores in the off season, the capital they've amassed over the next two years is my drawing factor for a new GM. Uh-huh. right like you got to be careful because you're like am i going to allow this capital to be spent for a player where even if he's not felt guilty because i talked to someone um involved with uh you know they're, they're a lawyer in houston basically and you know they told me multiple things but and i'll talk about them tomorrow night on the show but on, on my finside the nfl show but one of the things he did tell me was that the court system in Houston is backed all the way up right now because of COVID. And this thing might not even see court for two or three years. There's a potential possibility with that, with how this is all going. So this could be a lingering issue. And I don't know, man, I, I think this is, you know, I, I, I don't think it, ha- I actually am starting to get the feeling that this does not happen. I actually think it's going to go this way, guys. I hate to be the Debbie Downer. I feel like they're going to miss out on Watson. They're going to do the damage with Tua, and it's going to come down to do you choose Tua or this regime? The regime's going to get fired anyways, but a new GM's going to come in who's going to want to bring in his own coach, and they might want their old guy. And sure, Tua might get an extra year because the draft class isn't strong, but he might be a dead man walking under a new regime. So like I told you all before we went live, it might be one of those situations where we're damned if we do, damned if you don't, if you're Tua. But I've I've come to terms with that because I want this done right. I want a new scouting department. I want a new culture. I want a new philosophy. I want new fundamental beliefs inside that front office. It. I think we're rotten. I think we're starting to rot at the core, and it needs to be purged from the middle out. And the middle, to me, is it starts from the front office down to the sidelines, then down to the players, the personnel that go on the field. So I think it starts up in the uh, front office right now. So what do you think? Do you think Deshaun Watson is going to be in Miami Dolphin, Richmond? No. um, I thought at one time it might happen, but um, like you said, you brought up some key points. I think Mr. Ross did his due diligence talking to uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, and it's too many answers that's not certain or in concrete for him to pull the trigger and say, we'll go ahead and bring this guy in. So, and I think that's what he was doing. I think he was doing his due diligence. Okay. If we do do it. And then the only way it possibly would happen, I read somewhere if uh, Deshaun Watson will settle the cases, but he's not willing to settle the cases because he don't want to say he's, you know, he's guilty. of So he's going to continue to fight. So, I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think uh, there'll be a lot of smoking in it. It dies down. It so. dies down. I mean, go Let on me away. ask you this, boys. Just before we get out of here, do you think, with you know, you agree with that? What I said, Richmond, in terms of Ross's involvement, do you think this is at the point where it's what I said about? I don't know if I can trust these guys to spend those assets, especially if I'm going to move on from them and I'm going to bring in a new regime. Like, because uh, I, usually he wouldn't be that involved, right? But Ross, yeah. like, if we're theorizing that, that's that's a large involvement, right? Well, he, he could be looking at it, like you said, yeah, just saying if that's if what they're saying is true, that they really wanted Watson this and that, and then he could be saying in the back of my mind, okay, if I did bring this guy in, and then all of a sudden uh, Commissioner Goodell drops the hammer and I don't have him for a year, but I, he's on the payroll, I can't use him, this and that, it makes me What's look like I'm, you know what I'm saying. It, it doesn't, it's egg on his face, so yeah, that could be in his back of his mind. Say, hey, I don't agree with it, so maybe I need to bring it. It's just you just don't know. Yeah, he's it, not it, allowing it, them different. to lead him to a potential another whiff. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, if you if you if you paid all of the money that he's paid and done all of the things he's done at this organization, the last thing you can afford to have is screw-ups and right especially this, this point, magnitude that's a lot of capital really bro they can say themselves i just 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 really and truthfully just letting this play out man yeah. let the kid develop he's gonna be great and then 
You know what I'm saying? They can come out on the back end of it. You can save the relationship to some degree. All right? It's a business at the end of the day, so he ain't got to be in love with him because I don't think that all of the years that Tom was up there with Bill, that they were yeah, yeah. best of buds. But yeah. winning cures everything, bro. Yes, there's got to yeah. be a mutual. There got to be a mutual respect. That listen, yeah. I'm gonna go out here and do my part. Y'all need to do y'all to continue to keep mm-hmm. viable, really good pieces around me, so we can keep thriving, right? And yeah, like you said, winning cures everything. So. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate everyone for coming out tonight. Um, We will be back next week. Um, You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all major streaming outlets. Just search for The Finish Line and Dolphins Talk. Um, Shout out to DolphinsTalk.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Dolphins Talk. Um, We will see you guys next week right here back at The Finish Line. Have a good evening. Stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And it fins up all day, every day.